What's up, everyone? It's 6 p.m., which means it's 10 p.m., it's 6 a.m., it's 5 p.m., it's 3 p.m., and as always, it's anytime, anywhere, brought to you by Sprunk, Peach Sprunk today. Uh, we finally finished cleaning and moving all my stuff into my room. We finished getting cleaning up the stuff in the living room. I still have some stuff in storage to deal with, but for the most part, we're done. Now I can finally get back on track with, with, uh, was studying <laughs> that I didn't really get to do this week. And of course, since studying is coming back onto the table, so too is finally this pod bagel where we tell you guys about non-precision approaches, which is what we're going to talk about today. So you guys may already know this, at least the pilot types of you may know this. But when you do, when you fly in bad weather, you fly instrument approaches, meaning you trust the airplane's instruments and you fly those so that you can get close enough to the field to set up for a landing. And to be able to do this, by the way, you have to have currency. You have to, well, basically this is like that thing with the landings that we talked about before. You have to have six approaches. You have to do holds. You have to do a holding, uh, intercepting, tracking, and six approaches in the preceding six calendar months um, to be able to do that. You can do it with a safety pilot for six months on top of that, but not in IMC conditions. Or if it's more than 12 months, then you do an IPC with a CFII or an authorized instructor, blah, blah, blah. So with all that being said, that's how you are legal to do these types of approaches. That's how you are legal to fly in instrument conditions, or IMC, or fly under instrument flight rules, or IFR. Now, and that's actually a good question to look up for later, does instrument currency let you operate IFR or in IMC? Can I file an instrument flight plan and fly on instruments if it's in visual conditions if I'm not instrument current? That is the question for the day for my pilot types out there. I mean, mainly because I have to look it up because I forgot. So, anyways. Now that we got that out of the way, there's two types of instrument approaches for the most part. Or there's two categories. There's precision and non-precision. So precision gives you vertical guidance and lateral guidance. Non-precision just gives you lateral guidance. Meaning, precision approaches will get you... Uh, on an approach path where you're pointed at the runway, not left or right, and it'll give you a glide path down to the runway so you can avoid obstacles and have a steady descent into landing. They, since they control you more closely and they use higher quality instruments, basically higher quality methods, you get lower minimums, meaning you can fly into worse weather and it's, it's more accurate to have, a, to have a better chance of being able to land. On the other hand, non-precision approaches will have higher minimums because you have to have better weather since you, the instruments are not as reliable. So the main types of precision approach are ILS, that's kind of the gold standard, and uh, uh, there's another one. Oh man, oh, LPV is not technically, LPV is basically using your GPS for uh, at precision levels, meaning because you have lateral and vertical guidance, so you can consider it uh, precision. Non-precision includes RNAV, which is GPS, 
localizer only, which is basically a ILS without the glide slope, or VOR, which is using those directional things that I talked about prior, or NDVs, which is basically a VOR with only one radial. And guess what we're going to talk about today? We're going to talk about NDB non-directional beacon approaches because everybody hates them. <laughs> they are the worst of the worst. Uh, and I don't mean worst in like, oh, these suck, I hate these. What I mean is, mm, categorically speaking, they're the least precise approach. They're the, they're the cheapest to maintain. It's the oldest technology but they're the most unreliable type of navigation aid, and it's therefore the most unreliable type of approach. So, the only thing more unreliable is something that's broken. But anyways, that's not important right now. So, non-directional beacons. I can only think of one in South Florida, one within 100 miles of me, one within flying distance, and it's not close enough for a check ride. that's why I didn't do one on my instrument check ride. It's only one, Marathon which is near Key West. There's one non-directional beacon in South Florida. That means there's only one place to do an NDB approach. And I've actually never done it, uh, but I'm gonna talk a little bit about how to do it today, like how to shoot one. This is for, this is an interesting lesson for both my pilot and non-pilot types that listen to this show because, you know, if you're not a pilot, you don't know how to shoot any approach, so I can teach you how to do this. If you are a pilot, it's uh, either you've never done one, just like myself, I've never actually flown the approach, so you've either never done it, it's been a very long time since you've done it, or you just, you don't know, like, <laughs> there's a very, very small percentage of people that probably listen to this, that are young enough that they listen to this, but they're old enough that they have actually flown NDB approaches, or are adventurous enough to, do I don't know, I just don't think it overlaps that much. So we're going to talk about the marathon approach. So I'm going to open my iPad, if it actually works, hold on a minute. Why will it not open? It's weird, when my iPad's plugged in, it never wants to unlock. But anyways, uh, let's see, I told you guys that this episode would eventually come. And I did do my research. I was actually sitting on the toilet before reading about how to do NDB approaches to see if I remember. Because, you know, I know the theory, but again, I've never actually done one. Because I've never... I don't have to. <laughs> Pretty much 80 or 90% of the approaches that you do today, if you're a pilot, will either be RNAV or ILS. Either you're going to use your GPS or you're going to use an ILS at a big airport. So... There's no need for the rest of these. NDBs are getting phased out and disappearing. VORs are becoming more and more limited in availability. So, yeah. All right, so it's called the NDB Alpha Approach Florida Keys Marathon International. I don't know why it's called that. I don't even think this airport has a tower. Uh, I'm looking, uh, I'm looking, nope. Uh, ASOS Weather and then CTAF slash Unicom. Yeah, no, this is a non-towered class echo down to 700 feet, uh, controlled to 700 feet airport. So this airport doesn't even have control at the ground. It's uncontrolled airspace on the ground. So now we're gonna come back over here and we're gonna brief the approach. 
for those of you that are pilots. You can follow along for those of you that aren't. It's going to be a little bit interesting. But the uh, frequency for the NDB is 260. I've never actually tuned an ADF receiver, so that's cool, I guess. The approach course is 075. Runway, landing, height, and touchdown zone elevation are not available. That's the first time I've ever seen that on an approach. Airport elevation is 5 feet. Uh, I'm not going to read the box for you guys, but we're going to be increasing minimums if we have to use the Key West altimeter and blah, blah, blah. Non-standard takeoff minimums and alternate minimums, we can look at those some other time. That's not part of today's pod bagel. Missed approach procedures are climbing 1,000 feet, climbing left turn to 2,100 feet, then direct the NDB and hold. And there is a published hold for it. Um, wait a minute. But right turns are the standard hold, so why is this saying left turns? What? Okay, I don't know what's going on here. Anyways, so <laughs> probably just for simplicity, but the protected area is on the left side. Now, for those of you that aren't pilots, missed approach here, climb to 1,000 feet, you're going to fly up to 1,000 feet. Then you're going to continue climbing, you're going to turn left, you're going to climb up to 2,100 feet, and then you're going to use the NDB. And again, the NDB always points home, so you just follow that arrow back to it. Then you'll probably do something called a... Um, depending on where you intercept this from, you'll prob well, you'll probably do a what's called a parallel hold entry. So you'll basically fly outbound and then turn around, like do a 180 to your right-hand side. And oh wait, yeah, and then you'll be doing left turns over the NDB. But anyways, that's not important to you, most of you guys. We got the ASOS Miami Center and Unicom frequencies. Don't need to read those out protected area within 25 nautical miles of the NDB on the right hand side 1400 feet uh, between uh, 220 and 310 15,000 and that's probably because of the weather balloon over by um, the Naval Air Station so yeah what was I gonna say you've got left-handed poppy lights on your approach you got runway edge identifier lights for runway seven, uh, it's a circling approach because it's the same for seven and two five. Minimums are 460 feet and one mile visibility. It's 455 feet above the surface. Uh, that's for category A, which is what I fly. I approach speed for a Skyhawk is you know roughly 60 knots. So once you cross the um, the NDB. I kind of did this out of order, but once you cross the NDB, it'll be two minutes and six seconds till the missed approach point. So now going through the graphical briefing, briefing, you know, you'll go outbound, you'll go direct to the NDB, and then you'll fly outbound um, to do a left-hand turn back to like to to do a re course reversal. Sorry, uh, you'll fly outbound heading 255, do the course reversal, fly inbound 75. You'll be above. 2100 feet for the course reversal then once you do the course reversal and you're flying inbound you stay above a thousand feet till you cross the final approach fix again that's the ndb again once you cross the ndb you can descend below a thousand and you can go as low as 460 uh until two minutes and six seconds have passed uh or you which is 2.1 miles that you've flown uh did do, you do, do yeah 2.1 miles, which is over the runway threshold, basically. 
But anyways, then you go missed approach, and we talked about the missed approach before. So, what does all of this mumble jumble that I've just said to you guys mean? It means that you basically use the NDB as we discussed. You'll tune this frequency, and you'll fly to it. It'll always point to it. But usually, you know, you'll be too high, and you'll need time to descend. Um, if Miami's bringing you in from the west, they may just have you descend down to a thousand feet. If you're coming where you can line straight up and go in, but if you're coming from, you know, the north or the east, then they'll probably have you fly outbound first to turn around, as we talked about. You have time to descend. That course reversal is to keep you on the protected side away from said weather, uh, or the weather balloon. That'll let you turn around and descend, and then you'll come back in. Again, the needle points toward it, toward the NDB, and basically you use wind correction so that you constantly have the arrow for the NDB centered that you're flying to it. So you may have to be drifting across the ground. Once you pass it, you want it directly behind you. You want to be flying a magnetic track of 075 from the NDB to the threshold. But that doesn't mean you're heading like on your HSI will be 75. If you have a wind from the left, you may be flying a heading of 070, but your ground track will be 075. As long as you keep the NDB's arrow directly behind you pointing back to the station, you're good. That's the whole idea. Again, so that's all you have for lateral guidance is cross-checking your wind correction on the HSI with, you know, the arrow on the NDB. Uh, you have no vertical guidance. You know, you get to you get over the NDB finally, and uh, and that will and you know you cross the NDB when the arrow does the reversal. You know, it points that you're going to it, going to it, going to it when you fly over it arrow turns around and says you're going from it, going from it, going from it. Once that happens, you start a timer. Two minutes and six seconds, as we saw, at an approach speed of 60 knots, which means you have to maintain that speed. Once you cross the NDB, you re- you know, you're going to start descending to land, but you have to hold your speed. You have to watch a timer so you know when your missed approach is. You can't go below 460 until you have the field in sight. You're, so you're timing your distance from the field, you're watching your descent, you're watching um, so you don't go below minimums, you're trying to keep your airspeed the same, because that goes with your time for when you get to the field, or when you and when you have to have a visual of the field before you can descend below minimums, so that's your, um, that's your vertical guidance. Your lateral guidance consists of your wind correction on your HSI and the arrow pointing back to the NDB from your ADF receiver. Cross-checking all of this stuff in probably bad weather because this is why you use these approaches in the first place and probably when the gps receiver has failed because or there's something wrong with it because there is a gps approach at the field so if you're shooting this approach in real life it's going to be because gps is out so high stress environment with all of the different tasks i just told you that you would have to do that's why we don't really like ndb approaches anymore I promised you guys a technical episode, and I gave you a technical episode. It wasn't as fluid as I thought it would be, but I hope I gave you guys some good information. And I'll catch you tomorrow for the Monday Night Special. Good night.